Voices of Wisdom Bible Church, the church of a distant Christian. Why we are undergoing the study is to deepen our spiritual roots in Christ. Of course, as believers in Christ, we are expected to be spiritually minded people. But there is no way you can be spiritually minded if you are not first and foremost spiritually enlightened. And then after that, you will be spiritually quickened. It is then you'll be spiritually minded because you're already well-rooted in Christ. I say that again. You need spiritual enlightenment to be spiritually quickened. It is then you can live the life of a spiritually minded believer. You will discover that uh, some spiritually enlightened uh, believers are still spiritually dull because their relationship with the word of God is only at information level. It is not yet a revelation to them. So, what I'm passing across this morning is that this message is not just to give us information. Hello. So, because you still can find around, evidently, spiritually enlightened people who are still spiritually dull. Why? Because of their cold and usual attitude to the word of God. We have come again. We hear the word. Okay, and after hearing the word, what next? There must be much after. And part of the much after is the miracle you are going with this morning. Is the deliverance you are going with this morning. So, for such people who are enlightened, but they are still spiritually dull, not yet quickened, their dullness uh, is not as a result of lack of access to the true word of God. They have access to the true word of God. But you still wonder, why are these people still not yet quaking? Why are they still so dull in the matters of the spirit? Okay, so because such people have access, free one, regular one, to the word of God, yet they are living otherwise than the word of God has demanded them. So such people are included among the people Apostle Paul described in 2 Timothy 3.7 as ever learning, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They are ever learning, but they have never been able to come with the knowledge of the truth. Tell somebody, you are not just here to learn. You are here to be brought to the knowledge of the truth. Because it is the truth that brings deliverance. Hello, not just information. It is the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you. You say, in the name of Jesus, I have come to encounter the truth that will not just enlighten me, but one that will quicken me and set me free from every bondage in the name of Jesus. So you must believe the word before it can benefit your life. So you can have access to the word, receive it, and not believe it. Hello? So you must believe the word before it can benefit your life. It's important that I lay this foundation because we are in for a serious business this morning. A business that is not waiting for anybody. So believing and not just receiving makes you a spiritually quickened believer. So you want to come to the, that level of the person that has received the truth that can quicken you, then you, are, you will not just receive you will have to believe. So, believing and not just receiving make you a spiritually quickened believer. So, we are still dealing with that topic, the power of the altar. And of course, last week, we consider the societal influence of altars. Can you, rem can you recall that? Societal influence of altars. And we made very strong emphasis on the fact that the altar is the spiritual seat of government from where the minds of the people are manipulated to embrace, to observe either ancient tradition, culture, or modern trends. So today, we are looking at 
the generational influence of altars. So the subtopic we are dealing with today is the generational influence of altars. How the question of how altars come about the sacred sacredness that inform their influence on both individual's destiny, family destiny, societal identity, and the fate of posterity, the FAPE of posterity, that is, the yet unborn children of future generation. How did altar came about that level of sacredness that has given altars influence on individual destiny, family destiny, societal identity, and the fate of yet unborn children? Psalm 74 verse 20 will form our foundational scripture for today. The anchor text from which we are going to drive the discussion this morning is Psalm 74 verse 20. Now, the psalmist raised a cry here, a very serious prayer, the type that I will want you to pray at the end of this morning discussion. He raised a prayer when he looked at the experience of himself and his people. He said, have respect unto the covenant for the dark places of the hell are full of the habitation of cruelty. Have respect unto the covenant. So, Psalm 74 principally contains lamentation. If you read from verse 1 before we get to verse 20 and even afterward, it principally contains lamentation. Lamentation about what? About the impunity with which the ungodly were oppressing the covenant people of God. Just as you, are, you have been in the faith for, for years, okay? you have been a follower of Christ for years, but yet you still see certain things happening to you, happening in your life that lack rational explanation. And you can even get to the point where you are saying, where is God in all of this that I'm going through? Why am I abandoned to myself? The power of God will visit you this morning. Whatever is the altar that's at the root of your problem will be shattered in the name of Jesus Christ. So, why, when he observed that and he made lamentation, but in verse 20, he made the strongest and the boldest prayer for deliverance. For what purpose? To reverse the trend. So, in verse 20, he raised that bold prayer. Have respect unto the covenant. For the dark places of the earth are full of the lamentation of cruelty. I see something here. He saw the oppressions of the paths of darkness. And he looked for what to be used to confront it. And he found nothing else other than the covenant that his own forefathers too had with God. Are we together? So, the strongest and boldest prayer for deliverance to reverse that trend that brought about his lamentation can be found in verse 20, which actually is an appeal to God to have respect to the covenant God has with his people. So listen to me and listen good. If by covenant or by conspiracy you are put into bondage by men, it will take the activation of your vibrant covenant with God to break the yoke. Are we together? So if by one covenant or the other that has been made on an evil altar is the reason you have been put under one bondage, one form of bondage or the other, it must also take the activation of your own vibrant covenant with God to break the yoke. So because a lot of people just want to rush into a deliverance service, get delivered, where they don't have a relationship with the God of the altar of the church. Are we together? So no wonder you see in, in several deliverance 
people falling down and rising up with the same problem. And so the same that God deliverance in that service are the same set of people that are looking for deliverance in another deliverance service. Are we together? No, that is not going to be your story here. In the name of Jesus. The power of God will so move this morning. And everyone under both the word and prayer ministration will go back home delivered. Set free in the name of Jesus. But we must learn the principle. And one of the basic principles is to understand the place of covenant when it comes to generational altar. The enemies were so emboldened to trample upon the righteous. And then the psalmist look for what to be used to provoke God into action. He raised a cry. Have respect unto the covenant because I can see the cruelty of the wicked people. The cruelty of the wicked people you have suffered has come to an end. In the name of Jesus. Because this morning, God will have respect unto the covenant. So if by conspiracy or covenant of men, you have been put into bondage, I said it will take the activation of your own vibrant covenant with God to break the yoke. And that's what we are gathered to do here today. So those of you who don't have a covenant relationship with God must start one today. So if you are not yet saved, you must be saved. If you are saved and you are careless with your faith, okay, you need to get serious with your faith. Are we together? And those of you who are already into covenant relationship with God, but you are holding it with levity, you must reactivate that covenant. Then have respect unto the covenant for the habitation, I mean for the dark places of the earth are full of the habitation of cruelty. So, generally speaking, altars derive their sacred influence from the covenant that established them. So, the influence of the altar is as a result of the covenant that established them. And that is why some people can come under the influence of unknown powers that they don't subscribe to by self-volition. Are we together? Because altars derive their power, their potency, their sacred influence from the covenant that established them. You can therefore find people who are under the influence of unknown power. Either they are the one using it negatively or the consequences of the evil influence of a particular altar can come upon people, not by their own self-volition. Maybe I should give this further explanation. Do you know that not all witches and wizards, particularly children that are possessed by familiar spirit, can explain how they came about the evil power they are using? So, when somebody is under an evil power and he cannot explain how he came about it, then there is a particular altar that that person has been covenanted to. It's as practical as you can have small children that when they are offended and they wink their eyes, evil must befall that person that they, they display that influence on. Are we together? Then you, are, you begin to query the little girl in the counseling room. Where did you get this power? Our answer will be, I don't know. So, just as we have it that way, likewise, not all problems have rational explanation. Oh, this headache, the reason I am having this headache is whenever I overwork myself and I stress myself, I have this headache. Oh, the reason I have this headache was when I got to the hospital and they did a test for me, they discovered that there's a pathogen in my blood that's always raising my temperature. As a result of that, I have this headache. Okay, they carry out all manner of tests and yet they will not be able to pinpoint the reason why the problem is there. So, not all problems have rational explanation. Sometimes it will not be a medical or bodily problem. Okay, it could be issues that centers around fortune in life. Okay, you, you are best in so many things, but you are not producing results. Okay, 
that is profitable from any. And people look at you and you also assess yourself from the area of being faithful, from the area of being diligent. You tick all the columns positively. Are we together? But yet, things are not just working out. No rational relationship. The reason is that probably there is a covenant somewhere working against you because altars derive their potency, their power, their sacred influence from the covenant that established them. So, you can find problems common to a family whose cause cannot be traced to the immediate generation. Are we together? A problem that is common to a family but the cause of it cannot be traced to the immediate generation. Some people's problem is older than their grandparents. Are we together, church? Some people's problem is older than their grandparents. So, when we look at the issue of and how authors came about their evil influence sometimes, and of course, even positive influence. So, apart from authors being raised to preserve memory of spectacular spiritual encounter or testimony of victory, I've said that in the past, that altars can be raised to preserve memory of spectacular spiritual encounter or a testimony of uh, victory. Like Israel crossed River Jordan, they set 12 stones, and from there they raised an altar. Are we together? So, altars serve as the preserver of ancient covenants. So, that is the issue for focus this morning. Altar serves as preserver of ancient covenant. So, if the covenant is positive in your favor, things will just be working out good for you. Okay? It is by your power. And actually, you have not actually done anything much to deserve it, but there is an ancient covenant working in your favor. Hello? A typical example of a whole nation is the nation of Israel. So many things are working in favor of that nation. But if you examine it by Christian standard, they are out of radar. Are we together? But there's an Abrahamic covenant that continues to work in their favor. So, altars serve as preserver of ancient covenant. They are raised as a symbol of promised memorial. So, altars serve as symbol of promised memorial. That either God or any other spiritual authority to whom a man holds his covenant allegiance is committed to protect, to bless, and to fight for the descendants of ancestral devotees. So, we have the ancestral devotees who went into covenant on an altar. So, and that altar is now raised as a symbol of memoria. So, as a result of that, the descendants, future children, future generation of the devotee that entered that covenant will continue to enjoy either the good or the evil that altar. Are we together? So, because covenants, what they have is that they are statutorily established with specific terms of allegiance, specific terms of spiritual responsibility. Like we mentioned the issue of regular sacrifice, which are sacrosanct and must be adhered to religiously. Okay, so we have people who have been dedicated to one altar or the other, and along the line, maybe on the platform of civilization, not salvation. Somebody just feel like, uh, I don't want to be traditional again. That person has caught trouble for himself. <laughs> Are we together? Hello? So, civilization cannot handle the issue of a uh, covenant made on a spiritual altar. Hello? So, covenants 
are statutorily established with specific terms of allegiance that are sacrosanct and must therefore be adhered to religiously, must be carried out unbrokenly. So, this deed or terms of covenant become sacrovant because they are being supervised by what I call monitoring spirits. The moment those covenants are being made, monitoring spirits are released like spiritual police that monitor the execution of the terms of the covenant. So, the devotees are therefore both voluntarily and involuntarily answerable to the dictates of that altar, including their descendants. Are we together? So, consciously or unconsciously, the destiny of those that are dedicated to a particular altar are spiritually answerable to the dictates of the spirits monitoring the tradition the, and the practices and the consequences of the particular altar dedicated to. Do you want me to come again? I said consciously, that is by your full awareness, or unconsciously, the destiny of those that are dedicated to a particular altar where a covenant has been made that cover both the present and the future generation. So, the destiny of such people are answerable or must respond to the dictates of the spirits monitoring the tradition, the practices, and the consequences of the particular altar they are dedicated to. So, whatever an altar forbid for a devotee cannot be casually reversed. Like I said earlier, you can't say now, I just want to, on the account of civilization, and you have not encountered Christ, say, I want to reverse. Or like the man of God said last week, okay, no, all in, in our community, our family is the only one that are still worshipping in shrine. Okay? All of us must abandon the shrine. Let's go and destroy it and go and join a mosque or join a church. You join a church. You are not yet joined to Christ. You will, you will have full crisis. Are, are we together? So, what I forbid for a devotee cannot be casually revered. You are connected to a stronger altar through genuine salvation. Not just at that level alone, but also through a follow-up spiritual growth experiences and exercises such as Holy Ghost baptism, sanctification, and then spiritual exercise of fortification. Are we together? A lot of us, okay, we are saved, we are Holy Ghost baptized, we are living a sanctified life, but we are lazy in the place of prayer. We give occasion for the devil to easily attack. So, you must therefore build yourself up in your most holy faith. So if you have issue with contending with covenant from altars that are disturbing your destiny, you are not the type that will be arguing whether all Christians should speak in tongue or not. Am I talking to you? must be saved, Holy Ghost baptized, live a sanctified life, not only, not only that, build yourself up in your most holy Say, speaking in the Holy Ghost. Why? Whatever an altar forbid, it devotees cannot be casualized until you are connected to a stronger altar. Don't forget where we started from by saying, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we must be spiritually minded. We must be spiritually deeply rooted. 
but we can't do that without being for spiritual lighting. Not stop at only spiritual enlightenment like the one I've been giving for couples of week now. We must also be spiritually quickened. Life at Timothy Collector, say what Tell somebody You must get so mad about what the devil is doing in your life that you are prepared to pay whatever to get yourself the hook of the path of darkness. Now, how altars we have seen how it is established by covenant. Okay, it is maintained by sacrifice. We said a lot of that last week. Altars are instituted by covenant, but they are maintained. They are sustained by sacrifice. So, the goodness of an altar and its influence is maintained by regularly offering the prescribed sacrifice in the right order. The prescribed sacrifice in the right If you read Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you will see demand for animal sacrifice. Quality one. The house of Israel were told, when you are bringing, don't bring the blind animal. Don't bring the crippled animal. Don't bring the blasted animal. Bring the best, the best. So, and under the new covenant, we are to give our life to God as a holy and living sacrifice without blemish. So, you want to be toying with sin and you still want deliverance from the powers of darkness. It doesn't work that way. Hello? Are we together? Now, sin is like feces in a spot. It will always invite flies. So anywhere sin is found, just like the eagles will gather where there is carcass, demons that torment destiny will gather around any life, okay, that entertains sin, that embraces sin, that participates in sin, that rejoices in sin, that fellowship with sinners. Are we together? So different deities superintend on different altars with specified rules that must be religiously adhered to without compromise to so different deities okay that are the principality which any altar is made they superintend over their altar and there are specified rules that anybody who is a devotee must adhere to without compromise for instance dog is acceptable as sacrificial animal on ogun's altar so, you want to sacrifice or renew the covenant or seek the favor of the Ogo deity, go and sacrifice a dog, okay? And whatever you demand, you will have. It may have its consequences. However, it is a taboo to eat dog or offer it for sacrifice in Islam. Are we together? So, different deities should pretend on different altars with specified rules that must be religiously adhered to without compromise. Judaism, the religion of the Jewish people, forbid pigs and many other animals described as unclean animals. Go read your Torah. Go read the Old Testament. You will discover that there. So that was why as a former Judaist, before the conversion of uh, Apostle Peter to become a follower of Jesus Christ, <laughs> you will discover that his ministry exploit was held down on several occasions by the strong goal that tradition of not eating unclean animal has built on his mind. So, the prescription from altars can become a stronghold in the minds of people. To the extent that even when the covenant has been broken, okay, you can still be living in, you can still be living in the post-trauma effect of the tradition and the effect of the conditions 
that surround the altar from which you are broken off. I pray, as many of you, that even though you have been spiritually delivered, but you are, there is still a mental hold that is tying you down and you can't make progress and benefit of what Christ has done for you on the cross of Calvary. May such stronghold over your thinking be broken in the name of Jesus. So, we find the Apostle Peter, who, although has come to the side of Christ, still find it very difficult to live or enjoy his liberty in Christ. One of the things that you are going to benefit from receiving and believing this message is that you will begin from now to enjoy your liberty in Christ. Somebody say amen. In the name of Jesus. Acts 11. Let's look at the first 11 verses and the first 9 verses. Some already in chapter 10. But in chapter 11, Apostle Peter began to make a reference to it. But even after he made it, we still saw incidences of where he still suffered as a result of the influence of the altar from where his forefathers were worshipping. Are we together? No drawback of the effect of the altar where your forefathers worship will affect your destiny again. In the name of Jesus Christ. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, that they were of the circumcision, contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and did eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and explained it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. A certain vessel descend, as had been a great sheet, led down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me. Upon the wheat, when I had fasted my eye, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, and white beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. Somebody will arise after now in the name of Jesus. But I said not so, Lord. There are many things you're supposed to have achieved now. But because of the hold back of the influence of the prescription from the altar where your forefathers worship, okay? You are still saying not so. For nothing common or unclean at any time enter into my mouth. But the first answer me again from heaven. What God had cleansed, thou called not thou common. Yes. This story has a spiritual connotation. However, it also reveals how altar devotees are enslaved by covenant tradition. That's what is called covenant tradition. You just hold on to it very religiously. You just hold on to it tenaciously. You are not ready to break off. Why? Because it is covenant related. So, Peter has left Judaism. But the taboos dictated by the altar of Judaism still hold his mind in bondage. I mean, still held his mind in bondage. Peter has left Judaism, but the taboos dictated by the altar of Judaism still held his mind in bondage. So, where devotion to an altar is concerned, you are not at liberty to invent modern protocol to replace ancient tradition without going through what I call spiritual contention. It is after then you can officially vacate or repeal the tradition. So, breaking ancient covenant is not just achievable by mere quoting the scriptures. You must leave the scripture. 
It is by that you can enjoy or experience your established new life in Christ. You must live the scripture, not just quote the scripture to experience your established new life in Christ. Okay, let's look at implication of generational altars. Implication of generational altars. You see, generational altars has great implication. It could be positive, it could be negative. In fact, unbelievers can enjoy positive influence of a generational altar. Hello. It's a matter so serious that based on covenant that enjoy the backing of ancient altar, some genuine battle may be forbidden for the saints. Hello. Some genuine battles may be forbidden for, for the saints. The Rechabites. Somewhere in Jeremiah 35. Their fathers enter a covenant that they will not drink wine. Okay. You will say, well, that is uh, positive. But it went beyond that. Their fathers enter a covenant on an altar that they will not live in the city. They will not live in a house built with brick. They will live in the tent outside the city. Hello? If those people now just wake up suddenly, I said, now uh, we are tired of living on the outskirts of the city. We, so, we also want to enjoy the city life. Something will happen to them that will not make them to be able to do it because they are breaking an ancient covenant. So the issue of ancient covenant, particularly those that enjoy the backing of ancient altar, that even genuine, some genuine battles may be forbidden for the saints. And I'll prove that from scriptures. You see, the lack of this understanding is the reason believers who are not well spiritually informed before venturing to the act of spiritual warfare and deliver administration sometimes suffer negative bounce back. Hello. You, you, you look at the Rechabite and you pity a Rechabite and then you go into the city and you, and you buy a house for a Rechabite in the plum area. You say, you say, oh, I just want to help this man. And then you buy a house for him in the city. It may bounce back. Are we together? So by principle, God does not deny ancient promises or ancient covenant in order to fulfill or to satisfy the most recent need. So, covenant are blind to civilization. Covenant, they are what? They are blind to civilization. The matter is that serious. So, just as there are causes to be vacated before some innocent people can be blessed, you can find innocent people who are suffering. And all that it requires is that there are some causes that a covenant has brought on them. A covenant made on an altar has brought on them. Well, it is where you vacate it that some people can be blessed. In the same way, there could be generational covenant of favor that may hinder the righteous from directly fighting some unbelievers. Are we with me? You are a believer. You have issue with an unbeliever. And it's so clear that you are right. The unbeliever is wrong. You don't just say, well, I am standing on my right and I am fighting. You may not know okay, the kind of covenant that person enjoyed from his forefathers. Even though he is the, he is the misbehaving type. Hello. So, just as there are causes to be vacated before some innocent people can be blessed, in the same way, there could be generational covenant of favor that may hinder the righteous from directly fighting some unbelievers. Even when it is crystal clear that they have acted wickedly. I'll give you an example from the scripture. There was this ancient promise that Esau enjoyed from Isaac. Yes, when Jacob took the chief blessing, he came crying and saying, my father, bless me too. And the father said, yes, you are going to be blessed 
Okay, but it will take some years. He said, after some years, you will break the yoke of your brother. And from that point on, your brother will no longer have an edge over you. That's my paraphrase of the whole story of Isaac, Isaac family, Jacob and uh, Esau. So, there's this ancient promise that Esau received. Likewise, Lot also received an ancient uh, promise. Along the line, the people of Israel now left Egypt and they were fighting every nation they come across and they were conquering. And many years had passed, well over 400 years, because at least they, they spent 400 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness. And there were many years, okay, that they had lived before they moved to, uh, to Egypt. Then from the day of Abraham was the covenant with Lot. So all this covenant was still subsisting. And there's already a disconnection between the children of Israel and the children of Esau and the children of, uh, of Lot. And so they were going, they were going and conquering and conquering. And they will have ended up making a mistake of fighting the generation of Esau and fighting the generation of Lot. But God had to step in in the book of Deuteronomy through Moses, a prophet. And said, you may be fighting just anybody, okay? No matter how much the generation of Esau and Lot afflicted, okay, with idol worshiper, you need to cause there's a covenant. Are we so the ancient promise he gave Esau and Lot were protected by God. How the Israelite to violate the covenant he gave. Deuteronomy 2. Let's read the first nine verses. Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. As the Lord spake unto them, and we compassed about Seir many days. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, Ye have compassed this mountain long enough, turn you not word. And people saying, You are to pass through the course of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir. And they shall be afraid of you. Take you good eat unto yourself therefore. Don't say we have found feeble people and helpless people who are afraid of us. We can just trample on them and fight them and conquer them. Meddle not with them, for I will not give you of their land. No, not so much as of a footprint. Not an inch. Will I allow? Hello, listen to me. You can say I'm a believer. I can cheat just anybody. There are unbelievers that if you cheat or take them, you are going to suffer like a thief. Okay? You cheat Jesus. <laughs> are we together? For I will not give you of your land. No, not so much us as a footprint. Because I have given Monsia unto Esau for a possession. Ye shall buy meat of them for money. Now, these were the same people that God gave them liberty to plunder the Egyptians. Go to the Egyptians. Take their gold. Take their silver. But here I say, ye shall buy meat of them for money. That ye may eat. And ye shall also buy water of them for money. That ye may drink. For the Lord thy God had blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These forty years, the Lord thy God had been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. So, they are a blessed people. But God was saying, with all your blessedness, be careful and be discerning before you take on any battle. Otherwise, you will puncture your blessing. And when we pass by from our brethren, the children of Esau, we dwell in Seir, through the way of the plain, and from Ezongeba, we turn and pass by the way of the wilderness of Moab. 
And that said unto me, Distress not the Moabites. Who are the Moabites? The children of Lord. Neither contend with them in battle. For I will not give thee of their land for a possession. Because I have given her unto the children of Lord for a possession. What I'm saying here is this. Spiritual warfare should not be fought with a mind. I mean, fought with a mind or a sense that is ignorant of historical covenants. Do you hear that? Spiritual warfare should not be fought with a mind or a sense that is ignorant of historical covenants. I'll give you one more example. We will continue next week. Cain was guilty of the sin of murder. You know Cain? The first of the children of Adam who killed Abel, his brother. But he secured a spiritual cover not to be killed by anyone. Remember that message. Cain was not a failure. How many of you are under the message? So whereas our religious mind still imagine a fugitive king, the reality of Cain was a man who found grace to settle down, to have his own family, and to even build a city. Genesis 4, 13 to 16. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out of thee from the face of the earth, and from, the fa and from thy face shall I be healed. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And he wanted to escape that. So he cried to God. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth king, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon king, lest any finding him should kill him. I said, Cain was guilty of the sin of murder, but he secured a spiritual amnesty that gave him a cover not to be killed by anyone. Before you engage in spiritual warfare, even against an unbeliever, be discretionary, be led by the Spirit. So, for the Gibeonites, you remember? With a mind that was blind to the existing covenant, that the Gibeonite entered with Joshua. What happened? It backfired upon his land and they suffered famine many years later. Second Samuel 21, verse 1 and 2. Then there was a famine in the days of David, three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord. Now, since this morning has been the fact that altars derive the sacredness of their influence. The potency of their influence from ancient uh, covenants. And that sacredness is sustained by regular sacrifice. So, then there was a farmer in the days of David three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered, it is for Saul and for his bloody house. Because he slew the Gibeonite. He didn't just wake up and slew the Gibeonite. The Gibeonite must have offended him. And the king called the Gibeonite and said unto them, now, the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. Who are the Amorites? They were in the category of the people that the Israelites had the mandate to wipe out. But somebody had already entered a careless covenant with them. As many of you, okay, that your forefathers have submitted your authority that you should have over the enemy to the enemy. May you receive grace this morning to break off the yoke in the name of Jesus. Your father is dead 
and they are superintended over the family uh, property as if it belonged to them. And everything you do, okay, to get justice, you can't get it. Why? Because along the line, carelessly, your phobia has entered a careless what? Covenant. Do you think <laughs> sometimes you see the illegitimate child that strength into the family, okay, dominate practically everybody, and then your mother will fight with all the support of other family members of the family, and yet you can't do nothing, okay, to the strange woman who only came as a gold digger into the family to plunder the family. When your father was sleeping carelessly, okay, he never knew that he was submitting the authority. You, I can give you an example of that even in the Bible. Till today, the scepter of authority remains with Judah. Go and check where Judah came from. And of course, the children that also came from the relationship of... And it, okay, essentially, this is what I'm saying. Judah had the authority. Okay? But the transfer of that authority went in the line that you cannot justify as legitimate sexual relationship. Are we together? And the king called the Gibeonite and said unto them, now, the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites, people who should not live. And the children of Israel are sworn unto them, and Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. He did it, and it, it came at a very great consequence. When the matter was to be settled, the Gibeonites demanded for royal children of the family of Saul to be hanged. Father, we thank you for how much you have helped us again. We ask that where we stop today, your spirit will take us further next week. But we are gathered for one thing this morning. Not just to share information, but to receive the revelation that will bring about deliverance. And so as we go to pray, Lord, I pray, whatever has been the yoke of ancient covenant that has held these people bound, that has been frustrating their destiny, let there be deliverance in the house this morning. Lord, these people will not just be the class of ever learning who will never come to the knowledge of the truth. You have received the truth that will set you free. For a reception of your liberty, get set. Your story must change. Tell somebody, my story must change. We believe you'll be blessed by the ministry of this message. You will do well to be the doer of all you've heard. For further inquiry and spiritual help, Contact this number is 08035685882 or worship with us at Oasis of Wisdom Bible Church, adjacent University of Ilorin, Teaching Hospital, Okelsey Ilorin. God bless you.